The economic story is changing so quickly with COVID-19, with a recent announcement by the Premier of Quebec that they were moving towards a strategy of herd immunity. So what does that mean for investments, and what am I going to do tomorrow to accommodate for this? Well, let's get started. Would you rather talk about your sex life or money life? Surprisingly, most people would rather not talk about money, how to save it or invest it. This podcast is about helping you simplify your money life. Delivered by Dr. Henry Joseph Speck, a psychologist by training, Henry is a seasoned investor with over 40 years of successful investing in real estate, stocks and other alternate forms of income generation. Tune in to the twice-monthly podcasts to get his thoughts and tips on how to reach financial freedom. How to achieve the life you deserve. Now, here's Dr. Speck. Please remember this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult with your financial advisor or investment specialist before you make any changes to your investment policy or stocks or bonds or real estate you may own. I am not an investment advisor. I am simply talking about what I'm doing in our investments for your entertainment purposes. This is Sunday, April 26, 2020. It's been uh, quite a week, and I think the uh, most important thing that's happened in Canada is the gradual opening of our country. In one of the suggestions by the Quebec Premier, and it made headlines and appears to become policy for them, is that in Quebec, they're going to take those under the age of 60 and over a period of time open up back to normal. Now, the Premier is basing this on a basic correlational finding, which doesn't necessarily mean cause but he nevertheless is going to use these statistics to support what he's going to do and as we talk about in our investing he's sort of looking at everything in front of him and saying okay i'm going to flip the coin and if i flip the coin what's you know where's my advantage what might happen based on what we know and in his case i believe he's going to push it towards a quicker opening than others want to believe. And let, let's forget politics. Let's forget the science. Let's forget all of that for a moment. Let's just talk about what this means to investment. So the first reaction I had, and I'm wondering what yours would be, would be that there is hope, that there seems to be some structure to his response. So he's saying that, and there's a plan. So he's saying that those under the age of 60 will be allowed to do certain things gradually. They're going to test. They're going to monitor. They're going to make sure the hospitals are, are there. But he's not going to base a reaction, a quick reaction to shutting down again if people start to get it because he's expecting everyone to get um, the virus. And when you think about it, let's, again, not put too much into the correlational statistics, which you can't infer cause, is a common sense response. When we think of being isolated and all the businesses being shut down until there's a vaccine, which can take a year or two, there would be nothing left. And we're already seeing that the ripple effects economically, the, you know, five steps beyond the restaurant. What does that mean to the service delivery company, the cleaning company, the farmers that produce the products for the restaurants? There's uh, the fertilizer company that, or the, the tractor company, the organic food, the labor that's required to create the products and so on. So we, the implications of this, and, and, and I was thinking about this morning, I was saying it's kind of like we're in your house. It's uh, You're told it's dangerous to go outside, but you're running out of food. What are you going to do? If you stay where you are, 
and don't leave your house, you're going to die because you won't have you won't have anything to eat. If you go out, there's a risk that you can perish. At some point, we all know we need to take somewhat of a risk. So there's so there's sort of that thinking I think behind this. If you if you think of our Canadian economy from an investment perspective, think of the government's revenues. Where are these funds going to come from to support the government when oil is ten dollars or less for West Coast uh, oil? So the royalties on that have dropped precipitously. Is that a word? I think so. They've dropped a lot. In fact, they're non-existent. There was a period of time where oil was almost at zero or people had to pay to have oil uh, purchased because there were no place to store it. The second part is income tax and gas taxes and you know taxes from all the things that people do when they consume products or services, and that's not going on. Um, there's also no investment going on with regard to real estate. There's very little of that happening, so capital gains tax will be... Everything will be on the decline when it comes to tax revenue municipalities are already asking for money so there's there's an incredible you know if you think two three four five help us even six months out if we continue this the the long-term implications will be horrendous so i think what quebec has done is they've said well let's look at this from a standpoint of how can we sort of you know, be careful, but still push to get back to, quote, normal as much as possible. And they're talking about normal. They're not talking about normal as we know it and we'll never have the old. They're saying everyone's going to have this so you can do whatever you did before. So what does that, this mean? Oh, let, let me let me go to one other area, which I've talked about a great deal. And it's probably no surprise to you how I feel about this. But when it comes to nursing homes, I believe that the nursing home industry has been destroyed by COVID. <clears throat> Excuse me. We'll no longer have, a, uh, if we're smart, a nursing home industry. In fact, I believe, if you read some of my other writings or listen to the other blog, um, Business Entrepreneur Weekly, that the people should be given the funds to choose how they decide to choose uh, ch- how they decide to spend those funds on care. So in Ontario, we're spending fifty-four thousand dollars a year for someone to be in a nursing home. The question is, if you liberate that money to the person and allow them to spend it as they would within their home or within some other alternative environment, that will cause incredible change. So it's either going to be aging in place or aging in somewhere else that I love and want to. And that's what I think is happening to nursing homes. So obviously, I... Uh, as I've talked about since the book, Shrink Money Advice, Investing in Home Care and Companies that Provide Technology to Assist and Leverage That uh, is is my goal when it comes to that type of investment. Tomorrow, uh, in response to what's happened with uh, people working from home and what I, uh, you know, it's one of those behaviors that I think will not change significantly regardless of what happens would be the uh, sort of generic office space, office space that's related to you know, people working um, in industries that aren't regulated or requiring them to be on site. So I'm going to sell Slate Office. It's it's had a nice gain. I'm going to sell that. And that, that really is our last office building um, that we have. In the past, I had recommended Northwest Healthcare. That one's also gone now because even though it's healthcare, I do believe there's been more and more innovation. And when you hear stories and statistics such that 90% of you know physician visits can be done virtually, 
you have to wonder why we need all of the physical structure for doctor visits and all that infrastructure. So this uh, COVID is going to escalate the change in healthcare rather dramatically because on the one end, government's going to have less money and they're going to have to adapt to providing more service that way. Also moving to make sure there's at least 30% cash, up to 50% cash eventually, and insurance, as I called it, of 10%. I think that when and if the uh, Quebec strategy works, you'll see a very uh, rapid increase in the markets, which would be a good time to perhaps go to 50% cash. The, the, the part that continues to be concerning is we can, we can look, and I started to do some graphing of the long-term impacts in each industry, and it's just all connected like a spider's web. You can't get away from one problem affecting another. And the government's response and the government's lending. So what I've tried to do is look at that and say, okay, where does that, what does that web look like emotionally and behaviorally for people? What's happening as far as mental health and physical health that's been postponed? So people who have had surgery have postponed that surgery. People with cancer haven't been able to go for treatment. There's going to be an incredible wave of mental health and physical health issues that are part of this idea of self-isolation. Quebec is being very bold with their strategy. By, By what they're suggesting they do if they follow through, they're going to, there's going to be incredible criticism. There already is from different organizations, including World Health Organization, who said there's no such thing as immunity uh, so far for COVID, been proven. And I thought about that, and I thought, wait a minute. Like, if you believe that, and, and probably scientifically they're, they're true. There hasn't been, you know, longitudinal studies and, and, and all of that. But think of the common sense. We, we take vaccines for polio, and we've had... Uh, you know, eradicated that. There's, there, you know, children take vaccines for all kinds of um, things. We take a flu vaccine every year. It, when you think about that, it's done in the in the term of your body has introduced a bit of something and then it builds up antibodies. So, so to suggest that same theoretical, I guess, uh, concept doesn't work with this virus seems to be uh, somewhat hard to understand. The point of this really has to do with taking a chance and, and you know I never thought I would say this but let's put politics aside and everything else you have to congratulate the Quebec leaders for being bold to make a decision that is going to be certainly difficult controversial may even cost them their political jobs but something that they believe is best for the uh, people as a whole and that includes returning to more activity and returning to more economic activities so that uh, they can survive. So uh, if I can put my grade uh, 12 French to good use, vive la Quebec, I hope that's the right way to say it. Um, to you, I mean, obviously you'll do whatever you're going to do, but the, the, the really, the other part we don't talk a lot about, and then I'm gonna talk about two books I'm reading. I often read books simultaneously, and these are two amazing books I just started today, so I wanted to tell you about them, but it really seems that COVID has accelerated technology. The technology has become more and more um, valued and, and the innovation is happening. If you think of even Zoom, I'm not sure what the number of people were who use Zoom or the Facebook video uh, component. More and more people are valuing the video ability uh, to connect to others and how quickly that technology has changed.
So we're going to continue to need to be open to what I am, open to what other changes are happening because of what we're experiencing in new industries and new possibilities. So the two books I'm reading, the first is The Richest Woman in America by, I believe, Janet Wallach. And it's a fascinating look at the 1850s, 1840s, 1850s and beyond of how uh, a woman becomes extremely wealthy and how she does it during very difficult times. And what I want you to do when, if you choose to read this is think about all the trends in the 1850s that we're experiencing today. Back then, technology was considered the railroad. We have different, obvious forms of technology, but how it's escalated things and improved people's lives and also in some ways hurt people. So it's, it's a very interesting read. I'm not through it yet. I'm just, uh, I just dove into it. And the second book is The Price of Tomorrow by Jeff Booth, and he talks about deflation. It's a a way to look at something that, that needs to sort of put my head around as an investor, sort of a different way to look at what we're seeing today. Um, I've been through 18%, 20% interest rates, inflation, inflation, inflation. I've never really, other than watching Japan, been through a deflationary environment. So for me, this is quite an education to read that book. So The Richest Woman in America, and I believe everybody should read that book, especially young women, to understand how overcoming obstacles to become amazing investors and entrepreneurs is possible. The Richest Woman in America and the Price of Tomorrow. I'm Henry J. Sveck for Shrink Money Advice. Remember, you can also listen to Business Entrepreneur Weekly, which is another podcast I do for Chatham Kent. But there are also some concepts there that I think uh, go uh, across the country to, that you may be able to listen to. All the best in your investing. Keep your ears and eyes open. And I'll just end with Vive le Quebec. Have an amazing day. You have been listening to the Shrink Money Advice podcast with Dr. Henry Joseph Speck. Remember to pick up your copy of Dr. Speck's latest book, Shrink Money Advice, on Amazon.ca or the audio version at awesound.com. That's A-W-E sound.com. 